Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Hello, hope you're okay. Thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast on Wednesday, January the 26th. And a really shocking story first up today. A teenage girl has been treated in hospital after being stabbed in the leg at Kent's biggest secondary school. 13-year-old Daisy Andrews was with a group of friends at Homewood in Tenterden when a boy reportedly made comments about the colour of her hair before injuring her leg. Well, I've been speaking to Daisy's dad, Robin. Straight off the back you just wonder you know what what on earth has uh what's you know what has actually happened to her and how you know how serious it is um you know you hear the word stab and and uh, it, it drums up all connotations in your in your mind but um yeah first first and foremost was was she okay how is daisy now can you tell us about her injuries and and how she is yeah so, so they've um they've glued the injuries back together as a pair of puncture wounds on the back of her calf which are about 10 mil deep um she was told um the pair but uh but yeah she's she's had them glued back together she's limping around um she's all right um but trying to put a brave face on it but you know doesn't want to go back to school um because of what happened at the moment so um yeah it's... yeah i mean obviously the wounds thankfully will heal but it's it's the mental side of it isn't it for that to to happen was, was it in a classroom was it outside you know where where it happened it was outside at uh at break time um and it happened you know when she was with a group of friends and the individual who who attacked her came up to her and uh, made a comment about the color of her hair because she's got red hair um and he, how he didn't like that and daisy sort of you know, told him told him where to go, um, and then he came back out with um, this half pair of scissors and said, "I'm, uh, you know, mind what you say because I've, I've got this shank here, you know." Um, and then before she knew it, um, he, he'd uh, come up behind her and stuck it into her leg twice. Obviously, Daisy was with her friends at the time. What what did they mm. do? Um, well, Daisy didn't sort of register it at first. It was her friends that sort of noticed the blood pouring down the back of her leg. And, and um, yeah, I've got the photographs here of what it looked like. She was stood on a small parapet wall. So there was um, quite a large amount of, uh, you know, it wasn't a small cut or anything because it's quite a large amount of blood. And her shoe is full up of it. You know, we've, we've had to get rid of those because you can't wash it out. Um, but, uh, yeah, so the friends just sort of picked up on it and um, shouted that, you know, you're profusely bleeding from the back of your leg. Um, and off she went to the school nurse and, and so on from there. Obviously, as you say, you contacted the police straight away. What's the latest as far as they're concerned and what the school are doing? Um, police were, were very, very good. Um, yeah, I, I contacted them and they were very helpful, obviously very concerned um, that it was a, a like a child-on-child incident uh, and, and involving a, a, what looks like almost a premeditated weapon, I suppose, uh, of something. Um, so they were very concerned, very, very good. Um and uh, yeah, they they were, um, were just waiting for an officer to be assigned to it now. And um, was Daisy off school today? Presumably, was she? Did she stay at home today? Yeah, she's off because she's limping around, and yeah, um, yeah it's because it, it, of the damage, to, and it's gone di- directly into a you know a main supporting muscle at the back of her calf. It's it's quite sore, um, and the the uh, bruising is coming out. And obviously, she she's quite fearful. I mean, this was this was an unprovoked attack on her because of the colour of her hair. You know, um, and I think in the back of her mind now, next time someone, you know, make, makes a remark like that, is that what she's to expect, you know, which is, she's not on, you know. What are you wanting to happen, Robin? Well, I think, you know, Daisy, Daisy um, would like to return to school. She she does enjoy school, but she she can't be there with, with the other individual. The, I mean, that's that's the end of it, really. If, you, if you're going to do something like that um, and, and in your head, 
you you think that's okay then you can't be within that environment you know for, for whatever reason you but yeah, she won't be going back to the school if if, if the, uh, the, yeah, the perpetrator is still there. The school say the other pupils' actions were clearly unacceptable and they're carrying out inquiries before taking any disciplinary action. Police are also investigating. Kent Online News. Other top stories for you today. An Margate man is starting life in prison for murdering his girlfriend. Thomas Allen stabbed 37-year-old Samantha Murphy in the leg with a kitchen knife after trouble broke out at a neighbour's home in Elfrida Close last July. The 38-year-old has been told he'll serve a minimum of 27 years behind bars. Paul Hooper is our reporter at Maidstone Crown Court and covered the case. I have covered many murder trials in my career, but I shall remember this for a long while. Not particularly because of the nature of the brutal stabbing of a mother of three as she hid behind a door, door with a glass panel. Shocking though it was. It was the way in which her killer and lover, Tom Allen, remained indifferent as the jury delivered its guilty verdict. But as soon as the prosecutor began telling of an earlier case of a much more minor assault, Alan suddenly unleashed a fury of vile words aimed at everyone, including his lawyers, uh, the pathologists, the bench. He then began making threats that he would get his revenge no matter how many years in prison he would receive. Well, that hearing on Wednesday was adjourned no doubt, because the judge hoped that Alan would calm down. And today, the judge gave him a warning to remain calm as they delivered the sentence. But after Alan listened to the heartbreaking words of his victim's sister, well, he lost his patience again. He lashed out. He told the judge not to show him any mercy and not to reduce any sentence. It was a bizarre spectacle, as his barrister was attempting to mitigate before sentence. Alan let out a volley of pleas for no reduction, no mercy. As one observer commented after the verdict, if anyone on the jury had any doubts about the guilty verdict, well, they haven't now. Alan, who seemed to be able to turn on and off the waterworks at will during the trial, will now have to serve 27 years before he can be considered for release. And the sad fact is that their children will be deprived of both their parents, love and care, all because of his jealousy and rage. A man's body has been found following a fire that ripped through a house near Folkestone. Police say the blaze in Sunnyside Road in Sandgate is not being treated as suspicious. They confirmed a man in his 70s was found dead inside. It's not known yet how the fire started. A man charged over the deaths of 39 people found in the back of a lorry near the Dartford Crossing was due in court today. The group from Vietnam were discovered in the vehicle at an industrial estate in Essex in 2019. A 49-year-old who was detained by police in Romania last summer is accused of manslaughter and conspiracy to assist unlawful immigration. One final one from court and a nurse from Margate who injured four people by driving into oncoming traffic on her way home from a shift has avoided losing her licence because of her valuable work. Coral Blackwell crashed into a minivan on the A28 Canterbury Road near Birchington last June. The courts heard she wasn't speeding and it's unclear why she didn't turn when the road bent suddenly.
Kilkenny to the left. The 55-year-old has been fined more than £300. Kent Online reports. NatWest is the latest bank to announce its closing branches in Kent. Three are going in May, the ones in Maidstone, Sheerness and Cranbrook. They're among 23 that'll be shutting across the country. Last week, Lloyds Banking Group made a similar move because customers are using online services instead. NHS physios are out on strike today, affecting services at Kent's busiest hospital. Staff in Medway are among thousands walking out with more industrial action planned for next month. Karen Middleton is from the Chartered Society of Physiotherapy and has been speaking in a video the union has shared on socials. Look, I know how hard it is for physiotherapists to have taken the decision to take strike action. This is something that's never been done before in the lifetime of this profession around pay and it's a very serious moment in time for our profession. I've been out on visits, I've seen how hard the workforce is working in the NHS under extreme pressure. I've met physiotherapists who are visiting food banks because they cannot cope with the cost of living crisis at the moment. The impact of this is not just on the individual physiotherapists, the impact of not having a fair pay rise is on the whole workforce. We have got physiotherapists leaving because they cannot afford to stay in the profession. That means it's putting greater pressure on those physios that remain. It means that the level of service, the quality of service that can be delivered to patients is getting worse and worse and worse. And so even more physiotherapists are leaving because they just can't do what they've been trained to do and know is the right thing to do. So it's really important that this government comes back to the table with a better deal, a better offer for us to take to our members. This situation cannot go on. We're in a crisis situation, not only in terms of the physiotherapy workforce, not only in the service that's being delivered to patients, but in terms of the whole NHS. Well, bosses at Medway Maritime Hospital say non-critical physio services won't be running, which could delay some patients being discharged. Our reporter, John, has been to the picket line in Gillingham and spoke to physio Darren Freeman. So we're members of the Chartered Society of Physiotherapy, so that's the union representing the physiotherapists across the NHS. Um, we're here at the moment because we feel that the current pay rise that we've been awarded by the government is not sufficient to be able to allow our staff to um, combat the cost of living crisis at the moment across the country. Um, at the moment we've been given an award of £1,400 um, and we just feel that's not sufficient with everything that's going up um, and at the moment our <laughs> and at the moment with the cost of living our increase is less than half of inflation. Um, the problem with this is that the pay award has meant that we haven't been able to retain and recruit staff sufficiently um, and without sufficient staffing levels we haven't been able to provide the best patient care that we can. So what we really need is the government to be able to give us this a decent pay award to be able to retain and recruit staff a lot better and provide the patient care that we all want to provide. We don't want to be out here today, but it's, we feel with the government's award at the moment, we have no choice with that. The government's reportedly considering banning the sale and possession of laughing gas in a bid to tackle antisocial behaviour. You might well have seen the empty canisters on streets or in parks near to where you live. It's currently illegal to knowingly supply nitrous oxide for recreational use, but politicians in Kent have frequently called for rules to be tightened. And in some more health news, a young woman from Medway who ignored her own cancer symptoms for months is urging others not 
not to make the same mistake. 24-year-old Chloe Etheridge was suffering from bloating and struggled to eat, but only went to A&E when things got really bad last April. A scan revealed two tumours on her ovaries. She's since had surgery and is expected to make a full recovery. Kent Online reports. A Medway woman says she's had to fork out hundreds of pounds after police wrongly seized her horse after misreading a microchip. The pony was taken to a secure location by officers after escaping from a field in Gillingham. Paige Wells was told its chip was blank. She later managed to confirm the animal was hers but had to pay £500 to get it back. It's been suggested plans for more than 150 flats, shops and offices in the middle of Gravesend are given the go-ahead. Developers want to build on the Lord Street car park near the junction with Parrick Street. There have been concerns about a lack of parking with just 51 spaces for cars being allocated. It'll be discussed by the council next week. An event is going to be held at Rochester Cathedral later to mark Holocaust Memorial Day. Communities will be coming together to pay tribute to those who were killed and persecuted. There'll also be an exhibition of artwork created by schools which will be on display until next Sunday. Now, the Kent Online podcast has been told swimming pools could be forced to close if they don't get more help from government to pay energy bills. Swim England has warned more than 100 pools could shut or reduce the services they provide by the summer. The sector hasn't been included in the highest levels of support for the most energy-intensive industries. Well, I've been speaking to Ivan Horsfall-Turner, who's the chief exec of Freedom Leisure, which runs the Stour Centre in Ashford. Yeah, really, really difficult. Very, very challenging. Um, in, in public leisure facilities, particularly those with, with swimming pools, we're very, very heavy, very intensive users of, of energy. And um, our energy bills have gone up uh, uh, to, a, to an eye-watering level. Uh, used, our annual bill used to be about £8 million per, per year. Um, and the current position um, with the government support in place is that's well, well in excess of £20 million. So a huge, huge increase that as a, as a not-for-profit leisure trust, uh, it's really difficult to uh, be able to absorb that, that extra £1 million per month expenditure across all of our sites. That is an absolutely huge increase. I must admit, I didn't expect it to be quite as much as that. How are you coping then with, are you having to increase the amount it costs for people to come and use your facilities? I mean, how are you trying to balance the books? Yeah, really, really, really challenging, as, as I said. I mean, a whole range of things. So, so obviously, we've, we've sadly had to increase uh, increase prices to customers quite considerably, which is which is difficult because we know that all customers are, are quite hard pressed at the moment with the, the, the cost of living increases. Um, we've had to take a whole range of measures to reduce the amount of uh, utilities we use. And so that's kind of adjusting temperatures, adjusting set points, sort of turning down lighting, turning down heating, et cetera, et cetera. Um, we've had to take some tough decisions around, around staffing uh, that, that we're able to do. But the reality is that uh, that increase, which is about a sort of 300% increase in our in our in our utilities bills uh we we can't absorb we can't actually make enough operational changes to cover that cost and so we, we we've had to talk with each and every one of our 25 local authority partners across the country and, and look to them as to see what support they can provide and um that, that's not easy for local authorities as well i know in that in that they're all fairly sort of uh, uh fairly challenged as well you mentioned there about having to raise prices for customers. How has that gone down? Are people still coming along to support you or have you seen a drop off in the number of people using facilities? Because as you say, this is impacting everybody at the moment. Yeah, it, it, it's very difficult to, to, to know exactly whether there's a correlation between the price increases and, and customer throughput. 
Uh, customer throughput is just about holding up, but it's just about holding up at the point in the year when we'd expect to be absolutely booming. Obviously, January for the leisure and fitness industry is, is, is traditionally our busiest month. So it's holding up, but, but, but not moving forward. Um, and I think probably across the next few months, it'd be quite telling in terms of uh, uh, people making their own decisions on their own sort of discretionary expenditure and, and whether or not they can, can manage to prioritise uh, coming to health and leisure facilities. I, we obviously hope they, they do. And I, I'd make the point that it's the, the right thing from a, a physical and mental health and well-being, but, uh, but it's still difficult decisions for indiv- individuals. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I know for an awful lot of people, myself included, I must admit that the, the gym membership is it's often the first thing to go, isn't it? Because you think, right, what can I, what can I not have to spend out on? And perhaps that's one of the the easier ones for some people to say, okay, well, I'll, I'll cut that cost. But I mean, things like that must be giving you sleepless nights, I would have thought. Yeah, it, it has. I mean, it's, as I say, it's been a very, very difficult period of time. I think probably the, the current uh, cause of lack of sleep is that um, in the most recent announcements from the government, in terms of the support they're going to give beyond April, we were hoping that they would increase the support to us. Uh, what they've actually done is is not identified uh, public sector leisure uh, within the sort of uh, 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 the band that they call the energy and trade intensive industries that get a further additional support. They've left us in the in the grouping of, of all businesses that, that are going to get some support. Uh, that level of support is really not enough. And so we're very much campaigning for uh, being re- reallocated, uh, redesignated within the energy intensive industries because we absolutely are. Uh, and getting a further level of, of support. Kent Online News. A man's appeared in court and admitted stealing toys from a warehouse in Folkestone and then selling them on eBay. Dean Johnson worked for manufacturer Big Jigs and made more than £8,000 from the thefts over a 15-month period. The 36-year-old, who now lives in Smallfield in Surrey, will be sentenced at Crown Court at a later date. Shoppers have criticised an Asda store near Dartford for regularly running out of basics like milk, eggs and bread. Some customers say they're ditching the supermarket in Greenhithe in favour of Little or Morrison's in Gravesend. As to say they're disappointed to hear the negative comments and are urging people to come to them directly with any concerns. Meantime, Medway is getting its first Waitrose. The food hall is set to open at Dobby's in Courtney Road near Gillingham Business Park this spring. It comes after Dobby's resident grocery supply at Sainsbury's pulled out of supply deals. Yet another cafe in Kent has announced its closing because of the cost of living crisis. We heard in the podcast yesterday actually how the food and drink industry was facing a potential crisis while well, Bobby's Bakehouse on Folkestone Harbour has been struggling to make a profit. It'll be shutting for good on Monday and the owners have thanked everyone who's supported them. Meantime, almost £50,000 has been given to 14 food banks in Kent as they try to cope with increasing demand. Facilities in Canterbury, Whitstable, Folkestone, Medway, Margate and Faversham were among those to benefit. Some food banks are spending around £1,000 a week to be able to give supplies to those most in need. Speaking of helping those in need, an Kent woman is making final preparations before setting off on an epic charity trip to Uganda. Kat Smith from New Ash Green has converted a Land Rover into an off-road motorhome and plans to spend up to nine months away from home. Her destination is an orphanage called Little Angels. She says the facilities there were really shocking. Well, let's hear what Kat has had to say. I've always been interested in... Um, in- 
in Land Rovers, but a year ago, just over, I was diagnosed with diabetes and it just broke my world, you can imagine. I mean, I'm a Land Rover enthusiast. I travel all over the world. And like I say, a year ago, I walked into the doctors with a few problems and get diagnosed with diabetes. So my travel plans, although I'd already intended to travel, had just taken a tenfold change. You know, I'm going to beat this. I'm going to do this. Um, and that's when I really decided to do yeah, over Africa, basically. Um, I've done trips before. I did uh, 11 years ago. I rode a quad bike to Timbuktu. Uh, my grandmother died and it was more a sort of memorial trip for her but it became a big charity event and it was in all the newspapers it was on the news and basically what I did was we raised money for Macmillan nurses and the hospice that supported her and I drove a quad bike Oh, about, I don't know, 12,000 miles from southern Spain all the way into Mali in South Africa. We went across the landmines. I mean, it was a mammoth trip. Um, and we raised money. But I was always grated with me a little bit that I, the money I raised actually went into Europe. So although I did the trip, and like I say, there was points we thought we were actually going to die. Uh, we had no backup. It was just myself and a female friend on two quad bikes. Um, we went there and we went back. We planted trees for the Africans. That was part of the charity as well. People paid for trees to be planted, which then grew. And hopefully the fruit for them would feed the locals. So that was all part of it. But that was the only thing we did for Africa. I was aware that the, all the money raised went to Macmillan in the UK and the hospices. So on view of that, I always intended, maybe not 11 years later, but to do something for Africa itself. And that's when I decided, having planning a trip to South Africa, that I not stumbled, went out of my way to start looking at orphanages and found this unsponsored orphanage called the Little Angels in Uganda really bad um their cooker they don't have cooking facilities they cook on an open fire on the floor um they have bunk beds that they have seven or eight in per bunk bed um and they're not bunk beds by our standards they're slacks of wood they don't have mattresses um they, they can't afford education uh the school is just like a, a rubble with a blackboard they don't have any pens or papers most of it's done on a blackboard um chalk on boards on the pavement you know, so it really sort of drew on my heartstrings, to be honest. Um, and having spent many of my younger years fostering children and working with young offenders, you know, there's disadvantage and disadvantage. This was like, this was something kind of scow I'd never seen. And fellow overlanders were saying, you know, we don't really want to speak about it because we're still trying to get to terms with it because it's that bad. So I made it my point to find out how bad. And to put it out there, and I thought, oh, I'm going down to Africa. I'd love to volunteer with them, which I'm going to do. I'm a mechanic by trade. Uh, I've lived in, in, well, backwards and forwards for Spain many years. I do building and welding. Uh, and I thought, well, on top of that, if I'm a teacher, I'm a qualified teacher. I was a teacher of technology. So I thought, well, there's got to be something I can do down there, you know, even if it's digging holes. So that was how it came around. The Land Rover I built myself, purpose built for this trip. Um, myself and a female friend are going so important to us was a shower and it's never been done in a Land Rover before ever the Land Rover is about to appear in Land Rover Owners magazine because it is a one-off you know nobody has ever been able to achieve putting a hot and cold running water shower in a Land Rover I made it my mission ripped it apart welded cut shut and made it happen so the Land Rover really is uh, designed around our needs which were quite important as overlanders you know I don't want to smell um, maybe you know different trips different times men in particular wouldn't be top 
top of the list, but for us it would. So the result of that is I've designed a Land Rover that's a one-off. Um, I've decided to do this trip despite the fact of the diabetes. I'm just going to manage it. I managed to get myself down from 95 kilos a year ago to 63 as I'm sitting here today. I've gone from a 16 to a size eight and I've managed to get myself off of medication against all odds and I'm doing this trip I mean I'm going to take medication with me I'd be dumb not to but it's happening truly inspirational there Kat is fundraising before setting off and is also hoping to volunteer and help teach the children well that's all from us for today thanks ever so much for listening don't forget you can follow us on Facebook Twitter Instagram and TikTok you can also get the very latest details of the top stories direct to your email each morning via the briefing and to sign up to that you just need to head to kentonline.co.uk News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast.